Hey, fuckers. Guess who's showing up a week late on this platform? Yeah, it's it's this guy. You know why, though? It's because this guy, non-gendered, has finally started paying attention to their level of chronic, continual, ongoing self-deprivation, aka the habitual learned pattern in which I live my life, believing that it is good to have nothing, to neglect myself, to divert attention from my stupid living experience, to continually striving, producing, and performing in all the ways that I should, because that's the correct way to be a human being. I hope those air quotes came out clearly in my intonations there, because pretty much everything I just said was a lot of societal and family abuse bullshit. But here we are, finally tracing the connection between an early childhood of neglect and a continued lifetime of self-neglect, which has become deeply intertwined with the idea of being a good person. Not only for this fucker over here, mind you, but for most of us. As demonstrated by that full list of human needs that nearly none of us give ourselves. You know, I read it for you a few shows ago, but before we get into this whole episode, let's do it again. If you're like me, your brain will also refuse to believe or acknowledge the significance of these words for as long as possible. So let's repeat them. These are human needs. Connection, acceptance, affection, clarity, communication, confirmation, compassion, intimacy, understanding, authenticity, love, autonomy, choice, space, spontaneity, peace, beauty, ease, harmony, order, wholeness, interconnection, belonging, consideration, community, cooperation, dignity, (laughs) that one always makes me pause, mutuality, support, trust, meaning, contribution, creativity, hope, inspiration, purpose, celebration, joy, mourning, play, competence, effectiveness, efficiency, growth, learning, power, honesty, integrity, and then basic survival, shelter, food, water, rest, safety, security, and touch. These, my fuckers, are the many innate evolution-based needs which, in deprived states, go on to create negative emotional experiences for us. When we live in deprivation, our bodies and brains try to signal to us that we need to make some changes via unpleasant emotional sensations. Otherwise, if it was comfortable, we would be content to keep floating along in deprived states without changing a thing. But having no idea that we are denying ourselves in the basic necessities of healthy functioning, because when have we ever had these things? 
When have we been allowed to honor these innate drives within ourselves? Instead, those emotions aren't taken as cues for change. They're just projected outwards onto external circumstances as a way to explain why we're unhappy. So outside events become interpreted as the cause of our suffering when, in fact, our suffering comes from within, from all the ways we're not fulfilling the foundations of a well-functioning, biologically supported by design life, from all the ways we don't know how, and from all the ways we don't think we're allowed to. Lots to cover today. Let's try to boil about five hours of discussion into half an hour. So, first of all, let us cover the fact that we're raised by people who need, or at least strongly prefer, that we have no needs ourselves. They were so overwhelmed by their own experiences in our families of origin and their lack of fulfillment that they required us to stay silent about ours. Their emotions are too large and unmanaged, their life too chaotic constantly, their own needs too long forgotten. So they can't and never could take care of themselves, which means that they couldn't take care of us either. And therefore, they also resented us if we were to vocalize what was missing because they were missing those things and more for decades already by the time we arrived here. So those negative emotions created by deprivation were projected onto us, the small children in the situation, and we were informed that we're the problem. Our needs were the problem. So. From this early upbringing, we didn't learn the full scope of what we needed because we have no experience with those aspects of life. No one has been watching out for our comprehensive, holistic well-being, right? If we're lucky, we got food and shelter as far as need fulfillment goes. And we learned to stay silent about the things that we did know that we needed, since the alternative experience was being punished for voicing those concerns, or really making any sounds at all in a lot of our circumstances. So over time, realizing that there was no positive outcome to recognizing the things that we would never obtain, we learned not to even notice our needs, which means, we stop acknowledging our needs within ourselves. We find out that it's incorrect to do so, and we have no power to satiate our needs in the trauma-flailing existences that we have anyways a lot of the time. So now we don't even consciously observe our deprivations anymore at all. We just live that way, how we were taught often disassociating to avoid the discomfort that we cannot fix, unfulfilled, neglected, biologically and psychologically imbalanced, miserable, with no idea why our steady state in life is, I wish I wasn't here at all. Well, fuckers, 
despite what those early lessons from people who also had complex trauma, imbalanced lives, and immense deprivation versus entitlement complexes informed you of, it's because you don't have the things that you require, not desire, but require that you are in a continual state of hopeless suffering. And this is where I assert uh, a few things. Prepare for this to get increasingly fucked up. All right. Number one, we learn what our needs are based on what care we observe as children, right? Not only based on what care we receive personally, but also what needs are acknowledged by the people around us in their own lives. If your parents did not give a shit about community, collaboration, joy, or novelty in their experiences, guess what? You probably don't know that you're biologically designed to require those things either. Number two, based on all of this, we learn what needs we can or should have based on what the people around us allow themselves and us to have. So for me, I learned that I'm allowed to eat, drink, exercise, and be highly efficient. Oh, fuckers. I can achieve all day long. And in fact, due to my social class, I must. And in order to work, I also have to eat, drink, and stay healthy, so those needs become required as well. But the rest of the things on that human needs list, <laughs> especially the interpersonal and self-actualizing ones, <laughs> no, no, my brain genuinely doesn't even consider that those are areas of life to pay attention to. Number three. Because of this massive discrepancy in known, accepted, allowed, and required needs versus completely unknown, dismissed, unallowed, outlawed because they're too fancy for us in particular needs, we end up getting into some real fuckery with our lifestyles and habits. That creates even bigger problems for us and um, eventually a lot of the people we come into contact with. So check this out. If you have 20 deprivations raging on, things like joy, celebration, creativity, mutuality, love, touch, recognition, and dignity, for instance, that you, number one, don't know about, and number two, don't feel like you're allowed to have in life if you do know about them. But you do have like three needs that you will allow yourself to fulfill, or you may feel required to fulfill them in order to be a good, functional, allowable person. Well, what do you think happens? Do you think that you pour all of your attention into satiating your allowed handful of needs, seeking some modicum of comfort and biological balance? Perhaps you do it well past the point that they are fulfilled needs. And therefore, do you think you receive zero chemical reward to your brain when you over-fulfill those three allowed areas of need on repeat all the time? Meanwhile, 
with all of your real, unacknowledged, and impermissible needs, dozens of them, just fucking burning in the background, driving those negative emotions that tell you, life is pain, this is pointless, no matter what we do, we always feel just as shitty as before, something is missing, and then you're driven back into trying to tap into those three allowable needs again that produce nothing positive for you. Yeah, in my eyes, this is exactly what happens. We put all our time, energy, and attention into trying to meet our needs. But if we incorrectly learned that we only are permitted to have five from the full list, we end up fruitlessly toiling away in a manner that returns no good results for our heads or bodies. So if you're like me, you may eat and eat and eat your way towards an attempt at fulfillment and self-care, but it never helps because the effort isn't targeting the real problem, the real set of unacknowledged need deprivations that are raging on. And yet, you're stuck. Your brain doesn't realize it has any other options for self-care. This is the only form of need fulfillment it has come to know. And so, it instructs you to keep trying. The more miserable you are, the farther you'll reach for that potential comfort. And so, you eat and eat and eat. Or, you work and work and work. On some level, believing productivity, achievement, recognition, and efficacy will fill the void in your guts. Or, you exercise yourself nearly to death. Or, you fuck your heart out while still feeling chronically empty inside. Whatever it is, you continue to pursue a strategy that does not help, but you can't seem to stop because your brain believes that strategy might finally produce some relief. Thus, creating way bigger problems for yourself. Because no matter which overemphasis on allowed needs strategy you take, now you have new needs that are based on those couple of oversatiated needs, which have become uncontrollable, compulsive, rigid habits in your life. So, for instance, the more you eat, the more you have to worry about exercising, the more medical attention you have to seek. It becomes a whole snowballing problem where you're still never addressing those other underlying needs. The more attention you keep diverting towards those out-of-balance needs that you have and the other out-of-balance needs they create, many of which have been put onto maximum overdrive until things become emergencies for you to address, the less likely it is that you'll ever realize how many other aspects of life you have never satiated, like growth, cooperation, inspiration, purpose, spontaneity, harmony, acceptance, or intimacy. And so those areas of existence continue to be neglected. You continue to churn out shitty emotions, and from those asshole chemical gradients, you continue to assess everything negatively around you as an explanation for the unpleasant state that you find yourself 
trapped in. You, you see what I'm saying? Well, I hope so, because I have more to say about this connection between unknown needs and our tendency for self-destruction. So, let's say that you live in this consta deprivation hell prison that I just described. You, you're realizing that you do, aren't you? Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're welcome. Um, your brain has been informed for many years of what it's not allowed to have due to normal life circumstances. Because of the way things are in so many areas of life, this is just how it has to be. That's life. Get used to it. We all have to make sacrifice and do things that we don't want to do. Welcome to Earth, etc. Um, that is the message you've been delivered by your family and this fucked up, capitalistic, mentally cannibalistic nightmare we all march through, isn't it? Yeah, right. Well, your brain isn't fucking stupid. And your subconscious is always trying to solve problems for you. Problems you don't even consciously know you have. So, with all of these narratives spinning through it, what does your brain decide then? Your sub-C says, well, if these are things I can't have under normal circumstances, okay, okay, how about I just create abnormal ones then? And so enters another common trauma experience or two as a result of that learned self-deprivation under normal circumstances. Number one, self-sabotage. Your brain figures, if everything falls apart in this job, this educational experience, this relationship, this living situation, etc., then, well, I guess those normal rules of self-deprivation don't really apply anymore, huh? Maybe on purpose, perhaps by accident, you may then actually have the opportunity to meet long-forgotten needs of yours because there's been a shift in your daily requirements. So your subconscious goes right off, wrecking your shit so that there's a massive shift in what your normal day-to-day -day looks like. Or number two, psychosomatic illness. Again, if normal functioning is what stands between you and you receiving the things that you've always needed, guess what, your subconscious says? Let's just make you too sick to fucking function. Now will you have time, space, and energy to care for yourself in different, probably newly mandatory ways? Now, if your life is literally in question, will you pay attention to you rather than every other thing on your plate? Hmm. Overall, if life is what stands in the way of getting your needs met for long enough, your brain can decide to drastically alter your experience of life so that those needs have a chance at fulfillment. Maybe with a looser schedule, you stumble into fulfilling more of your own needs. Maybe with that free time, space, and energy, you purposely get to address long-neglected areas of life. Or, mm -hmm, next point that you're going to fucking hate, maybe you get a chance at need fulfillment via the care 
of others. And so enters learned helplessness in order to get our needs met. So if things get so bad through self-sabotage or psychosomatic illness that you're genuinely powerless to help yourself enough anymore, what has to happen? Someone else has to step up to the plate to take care of your needs, don't they? And in this way, not only does your system finally get some satiation of decades-deprived needs, but hey, bonus fucking points here. You don't even have to feel stressed, shameful, guilty, or fearful of being the person who addresses your own unallowed needs. If someone else does it for you, you get to eat your cake and please the learned helplessness gods too. It's not your fault that someone made sure you were cared for. It's just happened. So again, your brain can rest on its laurels, self-assured that you are still good for being needless, self-careless, and soldiering through an existence of continual misery. Someone else is taking care of those problems for you. Just uh, now you will have a lot of codependency problems that probably eventually turn into abusive situations for you and or them. And also, without that sack of electrical conduits in your head ever learning its real fucking lesson, you have needs and it is your number one right and number two responsibility to care for them. So, with a life that's fully fallen apart, you still haven't learned to lead a balanced existence in which all of your needs are being satiated. When you go back to normal business, a normal life schedule, you'll go back to self-neglect patterns by default. And without that person or persons who've stepped up to the plate to help if things got bad enough, you'll still be just as deprived and clueless about that deprivation as ever when they leave the picture. Having no clue what self-care actually looks like for you. Still not giving yourself permission to satiate yourself. Therefore, going back to being miserable with no idea why. And um, to damningly bring this all back to the beginning of the episode, that's probably how your family of origin feels, too. Because in those early childhood experiences where they were unable to care for themselves, so they were unable to care for you, when they taught you not to worry about your needs because they couldn't be fulfilled, they were also reverse parentifying us a real good portion of the time to use us, their children, to meet their otherwise deprived needs. We learn that they won't care for us because they have no bandwidth, but apparently we are here to care for them. We learn to address their needs in a fawning, highly enmeshed fashion in order to keep the peace at home as much as possible, in order to survive. Which means, our families depended on us to be deprived because they depended on us for their need fulfillment. 
if we paid attention to ourselves, we weren't paying enough attention to the ways they needed us. So they controlled, manipulated, and punished us until they were satiated in the ways that they recognized they needed. And down the line, we go on to accidentally do the same thing to others if we don't learn what our real needs are or how to meet them either. We offload our care to outsiders in the same fashion, recreating codependent enmeshment dynamics that make us slaves to each other, with everyone truly being unfulfilled, disempowered, and stuck in inescapable suffering. And we also learn that it's appropriate for us to be in relationships that feel exactly like home, always putting ourselves last to keep serving the needs of the people around us, similar to the ways that our subconscious will trick us into reversing that dynamic and imparting our abuse onto others. So, hmm, little bit to think about, huh? Uh, like I said, we've been having some big conversations over in the full podcast stream. And if this is shedding any light on any part of your life so far, I have some recommendations for you pro bono. Study that list of human needs and really believe that these are evolutionarily designed requirements for being a healthy and contented human animal. They're not lofty goals. These are requirements. If you'd like to visually look at that list of needs, you can just Google nonviolent communication human needs. Then examine what needs you are and are not permitted to honor for yourself based on what you've learned through your family and broader social systems, both via direct instruction that was passed on to you and indirect demonstration, what you saw others allowing themselves to have and what other people continually deprived themselves of. Then, with that information and a hard look at your own life so far, decide what your preferred or allowed versus denied or unallowed needs are. And try to follow the trail from the ways that you neglect yourself to the ways that you habitually overserve yourself in other areas, probably with limited positive return. Then consider the self-limitation created by those habitual attempts at comforting yourself in ways that don't actually work. Are there any life obsessions, crutches, or rigidities that now make a lot more sense to you? And also consider if there could be any experiences in your past with self-sabotage or psychosomatic illness, which were influenced by all the needs you weren't noticing, naming, or working towards fulfilling back then. When your circumstances drastically change, do you have access to other needs being met? And in that case, what are those needs? because you probably need to consistently work towards fulfilling them on a daily basis so that self-sabotage or psychosomatic illness do not take over your existence again. While you're at it, also consider how codependence has maybe 
played a role in things? Have you had codependents who were necessary parts of your life in order to have needs met that you were otherwise depriving yourself of? Have you ever been a codependent tasked with caring for people who couldn't be bothered or permitted to care for themselves? Oh, fuckers. Yeah, I got a lot of questions for you this month. It has been a big discussion. And while we're about to take a little break from talking about constant deprivation states to instead get back into more specifics of nonviolent communication before the holidays steamroll all of us, we will be coming back to this topic. It is a crucial one. My brain has been blown wide open by these thoughts and discoveries, and we're just getting started. But if you're interested in exploring more of these needs deprivation ideas now, no worries. Hit up the past few episodes, videos, workbooks, and exercise bonuses over in that blanket fort. That's the private podcast stream at patreon.com slash traumatized motherfuckers. And just check out the nonviolent communication collection where you'll find everything. And then sincerely get to work not serving the needs of others or our corporate over overlords but get to work caring for yourself noticing what it feels like when you are deprived and in what ways and then using those signals to actually divert attention to yourself convincing your brain that you too are allowed to have satiated needs in this lifetime. I promise, slowly torturing yourself with perpetual neglect, and quite possibly also spreading that to the people around you, is not, in fact, good like you were taught. And with that I say, holy balls y'all, this discovery has changed my life already but sorry to the rest of the world for the ways it's breaking the spell of being a constantly deprived, hypervigilant workaholic at the expense of myself. Hence, being a week late on this platform. Yes, pulled it full circle. All right, till we speak again next time, that's it, y'all. Hail your self. Hail your very much allowed and necessary to be a functional person needs. It is your right and your responsibility to fulfill them for yourself. Hail Archie and Marcus Barkus, the good boys who've satiated my love, affection, and joy needs when I otherwise wasn't sure I was allowed to. And cheers, y'all. The road to recovery is paved in actual, comprehensive, self-informed, and conducted need fulfillment. And I'll talk to you soon. And I still believe that we're not that hopeless. We're not as fucked as you think in short moments. We can't do anything. We're fucking joking. We're winning when you blink in short moments. I'll see with victory. We're not